Hey, thanks for being here. Are you excited to be here? I'm excited that you're here, whether you're on site or you are online. I just need to tell you uh, that last week uh, was so moving uh, in my own heart and mind. I know for many of you, as our worship team, you know, sang the blessing specifically over the people of Ukraine and Eric singing actually in Ukrainian. And uh, I want you to just uh, continue to pray for the people of Ukraine, but pray for the believers, you know, specifically Ukraine, who right now are being used by God in mass to reach people for Jesus. In times of chaos and crisis, sometimes Christ shines the brightest. Um, secondly, can we just thank God for Trevor's message last week? Can we just do that? Didn't Trevor do a great, a great job? If you missed, you know, any of last week, I just want to encourage you, you know, go online, go on our website, you can find it there. But God is doing so many amazing things as a part of us, what, God, what he's doing here at Valley Real Life. And uh, I'm excited for those of you who are here at Barker, but I'm also excited for those of you who are online. For here at Barker, we continue to grow and you can see it, you can feel what God is doing around here. And I want to remind you, you know, of a special offering that we're taking called Pave the Way on Mother's Day Weekend. What an opportunity to connect people to Jesus in some other ways that are pe for people who are not yet connected to him. Like for first and foremost, by Easter, our themed out kids area. You know, by this fall, our indoor playground and expanded lobby. And so be praying specifically for what God may be calling you to give specifically on that weekend as every dollar that comes in will go towards those endeavors in order for us to fulfill the vision that God has given us to reach the world for him one person at a time. Now, for those of you who are online, God is also doing some incredible things, you know, as well. I want to talk to you for just a second, because I want to ask you, if you're watching online, to do one of two things. First, if you're just in the habit of watching at home because it's convenient, can I just lovingly challenge you a little bit? And I get it. Sitting in your PJs and drinking coffee is much more relaxing and, uh, and convenient and comfortable uh, when you're doing it from your own couch. But I can promise you that you're missing out on a lot of things that God wants to do in you, but he also what he wants to do through you that only happens face to face. And so now is the time as we enter into a new season prayerfully in our nation, in our area to come back and be a part of what he's doing. But secondly, if you're watching online and if you're not feeling well, if you're out of town and you know, in some other part because of business or vacation, can you just share this regularly? In fact, if you live where you can't even come to the facility, I wanna encourage you to share this regularly because our vision is to reach the world for Jesus. And so we wanna continue to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, to share if you're watching on Facebook and to continue just to let people know about what God is doing in your sphere of influence. Now, with that being said, I just want to welcome you to a new series that's going to lead us up and through Easter called Influencer. Now, Influencer is a hot term uh, in these days, especially in the social media world. Uh, you're trying to become an influencer. People become influencers in many different uh, and very interesting sometimes ways. Now, if you're a newer to Jesus or you're interested in Christ, this is a perfect series because we're going to walk through the life of Jesus over these next few weeks. If you have been a follower of Christ, here's what I can promise you is the longer I've been a Christian, the more I have a tendency to put Jesus into my understanding in my little box where he might be safe and comfortable. And we're gonna try to challenge some of the presuppositions that you might be experiencing in your own life. And so we wanna start with this as an introduction to the whole series before we get into this specific sermon. 
what is influence? See, influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone. So influence, to have the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone. So let me tell you someone who has influenced my behavior and my tendency in not a good way this week. And his name is Russell Wilson. I'm just, the elephant's in the room. We gotta speak to it. It is painful. I was talking to my kids going, it's the only quarterback they've ever known. And, and I'm like, I'm sorry because I grew up in those years. I was a child of the 90s. You know, I understand how, how long, we're gonna find out who the real Seahawk fans are. I'll tell you that. But it all of a sudden made me realize Dang it, Russell Wilson has influence on me because he helped determine my behavior this last week. In fact, on Wednesday, I wore his jersey for the last time in moratorium you know, uh, of him, and then I put it to the side, and I just shed a little bit of a tear. Now, but what I really want you to do is I want you to turn to your neighbor, put it in the chat, and, and I want you to, to answer that question, you know, um, who is an influencer? Who is an influencer in our culture today? You got 10 seconds. Who's the first person that comes to your mind based on that definition? Ready, go. Do it online as well. Okay, time is up. How about this section? Somebody in this section. Give me one answer. Who is an influencer in our culture? Sandy Robertson. Okay, who's an influence in, the, in, in our culture right here? Yeah. Kanye West. Kanye West, definitely an influencer. Who's an influencer in this section? section? Cardi, B. Cardi B. Wow, we're just going hardcore here. I like it. All right, we got a lot of different answers, you know, and probably online you got one or two others. All right, well, I don't know what to do with this. Um, Here's what I can tell you is, I will contend that the greatest influencer who's ever lived and still lives is actually Jesus Christ. And the person who could have the most influence in your life is also Jesus Christ. And yet, we find ourselves falling a little short, even if we're followers of him. In fact, one of the best ways that we can have some influence in someone's life is identifying what is it that we can do to influence someone's life. What are the gifts, the talents, the personalities? Who are we? In fact, uh, how do you define yourself? Simply, in very short uh, uh, phrase, I want you to fill in this blank. I am what? An athlete, a writer, a son or daughter, a Christian, a businessman or woman, a father, a mother, a spouse. So I'm gonna give you a 10 seconds again online. How do you answer that question? I am, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Ready, go, talk to each other. All right, your time is up. Some of you guys are laughing. You are not Kanye West. Okay, over the next seven weeks through Easter, we're gonna discover who Jesus is based on who he says he is, not who we think he is. Because in the book of John, which is the New Testament you know, part of our Bibles, there's four books that describe who Jesus' life is. And in the book of John specifically, there are seven instances where Jesus himself tells us who he is. And what's fascinating about it is that there's a pattern that John uses in every way that Jesus does this. And here's the pattern. Jesus performs a miracle. 
He tells people in a metaphor, I am, like tonight he's going to talk about the bread of life. Today he's going to talk about the bread of life. And then he says, and this is what that means. So then he does a miracle. He says, I am, fills in the blank. And then he describes exactly what that means. And we see that seven times in the the book of John. And John tells us the reason why he goes this way through the life of Jesus. He tells us in his book in John chapter 20, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miracles miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the son of God and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name so by us discovering who he really is it is going to have great influence in our lives when we embrace that reality in us and then through us so I want to encourage you for two things, two, two, two things leading up to Easter. First, I'm going to challenge you all to be in God's word in the book of John every day, at least five days a week between now and Easter. So uh, as you came in, and you can get this online as well, you should have been handed a card. And the card says the writings of John. And then on the back, those of you who love to fill in little bubbles, you know, or check marks, you know, can be able to do it. There's also a QR code on the screen. You can download that as well online to be able to get you into the reading plan. In addition, I'm going to do all of my devotionals, you know, that we do 8.30 on, on, on uh, um, each morning. I'm going to do that uh, through our Facebook, through our YouTube through the book of John. So I want to encourage you to join with me as we discover who Jesus really is. So with that as the background, let's start now with this first one of who Jesus claims to be. And our story actually starts not in John, but in the book of Exodus in our Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3. Moses, the reluctant leader of Israel, is called by God. He's tending sheep and he notices something strange in the distance. And as he approaches, he notices that there is a fire, there is a bush that is burning, but it's not being consumed. He's like, this is weird. And God says, out of the burning bush, take your shoes off for now, you're on holy ground. So they have this interchange where he calls Moses to leave this place in the desert, to go to Egypt, and to let my people go. Well, in addition to many other conversations or aspects of the conversation, he asks God this question, well, who am I supposed to say sent me? Who am I supposed to tell these nations of Israel? Who am I supposed to say is the one who's calling me? And in Exodus chapter three, verse 14, it says, God's replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What he goes on and says is that that is Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I am, I am uh, the God of your father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then what he's saying by saying I am, what he's literally saying is I am the eternal, unchanging, self-existent one, infinite and glorious in every way, above and beyond all created things. I am God. There is no other. Now that's the background because when Jesus, every time you see Jesus say, I am, you need to understand that he is saying, I am God. And as God in human form, I'm going to give you an aspect of what that looks like. So that's the backdrop that his Jewish hearers would understand when he, when he says the way this phrase, I am. Now, with that being said, when you're hungry, I mean really hungry, what's your go-to? What's your go-to? Uh, when I said that, how many guys, show of hands in the chat, how many guys said pizza? Okay, pizza's a go-to, hamburgers? How about something more extravagant, something fancy? Snack? Tacos? 
ice cream, chips, all right? I, I, I actually say it's popcorn. Yeah, I don't know what it me. Hey, did anybody think when I said what's your go-to that you thought bread? Anybody? Anybody say bread? Okay, now I used to think, what's the big deal about bread? Right? My wife loves bread. I said, what's the big deal? Until you actually have the most amazing, fresh out of the oven kind of bread. The best bread that I've ever had in my life, I was actually on a mission trip to Africa, but we had a 24-hour layover in Paris, France. And so I did not stay in my hotel. Oh, no, no. I went outside the hotel, and I went and got a fresh out of the oven croissant. And I don't know how they did it, but I took the croissant, and I'm like, oh, what's the big hype? What's the big deal? And as I took a bite, it literally melted in my mouth. I don't know how that is even possible. And it tasted like butter and perfect amount of salt was all over the thing and yet there was nothing on there. And I'm like, they're into voodoo or something. I mean, it was just, a, it was just absolutely amazing. I have no idea how, why we can't replicate that here unless you go to Eric Svensson's house. He has you know, some great stuff as well. But I have heard uh, from some staff people and you can judge them later that in Las Vegas, uh, there is a famous bread cart from Joel, Joel, I think it's Rochon is his name. And you go to this restaurant and there's this bread cart and it's the most amazing fresh baked bread that you can choose any or however much you like. Whether you're a foodie or a glutton, it both works. And it's an amazing, amazing experience. But what I wanna do is take it a little bit deeper today. What are you truly hungry for? What is your soul searching for? See, we do so many things in our lives, we often don't pause long enough to ask, why are we doing some of those things? Why are we searching after? Why are we trying to fill ourselves with, and you fill in the blank? I'm going to be honest with you guys for a second and let you know that as I have reflected on that question in my own life, I realize that in my soul, the things that I seem to be hungry for are meaning, being enough, acceptance, significance, joy, a fulfilled life. I wonder if you can identify what you're truly hungry for, what your soul hungers for. Because if you don't get anything else out of today, here's the phrase I want you to walk away with. Jesus is what fills our deepest needs. Jesus is the only thing that truly fills long-lasting our deepest needs. And with that in mind, I want you to grab your Bibles and we're gonna look at John chapter six. John chapter six, while you're turning there, let me set up what's going on. Jesus is teaching and he's healing the sick and it's getting to the end of the day and he recognizes that there are 5,000 people that are listening to him. And so he turns to his disciples, he says, they need to eat something. He's like, where are we gonna get food to feed all these people? So they bring him some, a few small fish, a couple loaves of bread and Jesus miraculously multiplies that to which everyone not only had a bite to eat but had to their fill. That's how generous Jesus is. So much so that there are over 12 baskets full of leftovers. The people, they're shocked. They're like, this is the guy we have been waiting for and they try to make him king. He's like, I'm not having anything to do with that and he pulls himself away. Now that's not necessarily what you think an influencer would do, would do. That you would, you would pull away from somebody actually elevating you higher. But he says, no, 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 that's not why I'm here. He pulls away. His disciples in the middle of the night decide to head across the lake to the other side. While they're halfway across, Jesus decides to join them. 
Yeah, walked on water. So he walks on water, he jumps in the boat, they arrive to the other side, and this is where we pick up in verse 24. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? I love Jesus doesn't mess around. He goes right to the point. He doesn't even answer their question. Notice what Jesus replies. I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. That's why you want to be with me. Not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. See, there are four things that we're going to learn in this following story of what it means to have Jesus fill our deepest need. And the first one is this. He asks us to come to Jesus and to stop searching for temporary satisfaction. To stop searching for temporary satisfaction. Things that don't last. See, there is a hunger that lies within us that if we're not careful, we oftentimes find ourselves filling it with something that could never satisfy. As with our physical hunger, sometimes we look for something quick and easy, which is neither healthy nor good. That's gas station food is not good. And neither is fast food. It's not healthy. It may taste good, but it's not good for us. But we go for the quick to satisfy the need. See, we long for good health, but we settle for regular fast food. We long for deep, meaningful relationships, but how often have we settled for quick sexual experiences? We long for success, but we settle for the get-rich-quick scheme of the month. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, said this, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. And Jesus is saying, you're spending your time focused on the wrong things. Allow me to go a step further. There is a big difference between seeking Jesus and seeking only what Jesus provides. There's a big difference between seeking Jesus and only what he provides. In fact, in the, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, it says everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. But I love the way the message version says it. For it says it this way, we work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. And how often do we find ourselves going after things that are promised to fill us, promised to make us long-term happiness, and it actually doesn't solve our inner issues. See, they were seeking Jesus not for who he was, but what they thought he could continue to provide. Literally, food, that's what he said. They weren't looking for Jesus. (laughs) They were looking for their next meal, the next miracle, the next provision. See, people all the time say that we're looking for Jesus. And many times, if we're being honest, we're looking for someone to fix our marriage, to fix our finances, to fix our relationships, to fix our addiction. And is there anything wrong with coming to Jesus for those things? Absolutely not. That is a perfect opening opportunity. And Jesus loves us and is so compassionate. He wants to meet some of our deepest needs. And some of those needs are some of the greatest that we bring that gives us to our connection to Jesus. But if we settle for that, we've missed the whole point. If we settle for only what Jesus provides, only what he benefits in our life, We're going to miss the greatest value that he brings to our life. The greatest influence that he can have in us. 
I can't tell you how often I've talked to people about prayer and they, and, and they pray sincerely, God, I just pray that I just get that relationship. I pray that I get that new job. I pray that I get those finances. And then once I get the relationship, once I have the kid, once I have the new job, all of a sudden the relationship with Jesus goes, goes further and further away. See, they got what they wanted from Jesus, but they missed the most important aspect of the influence that Jesus can have in our lives. See, Jesus provides spiritual food that lasts forever. In fact, one time, uh, Jesus, early on in his ministry, you remember he's been led by the Spirit to go into the desert and, and to be tempted by Satan. After 40 days, the Bible says that he was hungry. I'm like, are you kidding me? He was starving. There's no way. 40 days, you know, without food at all. And the first temptation that Satan brings his way is you see these stones, Jesus? Just turn them to bread. You know, you'll be satisfied. Everything will be good. And Jesus responds, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was not going to be tempted to satisfy himself with something that was going to last a short time, but he was going to trust himself to the one who would satisfy long term. So one of the greatest things that we can bring into our lives is a daily encounter with God through the living word, the Bible. It's active, it's alive. So first they come to Jesus and to stop searching. He says, come to Jesus and stop searching for temporary things to fill. Secondly, we read this in verse 28. Then they replied, well, we want to perform God's works too. So what should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. So what he's saying is, come to Jesus and stop trying to earn God's approval. Stop trying to earn his approval. So many of us, myself included, use the performance metric in our relationship with God. If I'm good enough, God will accept me into heaven. Ever heard somebody say that? Maybe that's something you've said before. Or if I've already accepted Jesus, if I'm good enough, God will bless me or approve of me. You understand this, approval by God is given when we believe in him. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now that word, believe, is not just to hear a philosophy or a doctrine. It's actually to believe in a person. Secondly, that word believe is a verb. Uh, in other words, it's not just an intellectual agreement with what is true. Like, for example, I could look at that chair and I could say, I believe that chair will hold me. That's not the Bible's word for believe. What it means to believe is I believe that chair is going to hold me. And guess what? I sit in the chair. That's what that word believes means. It's not just an intellectual agreement with what's true, but it's actually putting myself in that situation. So then they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. <laughs> this cracks me up. Were they not there the day before? Show us a miracle. I just fed 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you weren't there. 
And then he goes on, you know, to say, well, you know, Moses provided this manna. And I love what Jesus says. You got it all wrong. See, what they're referring to is when they were in the desert, headed to the promised land, for 40 years they wandered. And God provided for them every single day. Six out of the seven days, he provided them manna from heaven. That that was the way that he took care of them. And so he says, well, that's what Moses gave us. So what are you going to give us? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. We want that. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's saying, I am what you're looking for. I am, look, I am the one that provides long-term satisfaction. You're going to eat and be hungry again. I can give you something that's going to provide in your life and into the next life. Then he says, but you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given to me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up on that last day. So, so far, Jesus said, come to me and stop searching for temporary satisfaction. Come to me and stop trying to earn God's approval. And now what he is saying in this instance is come to me and stop looking for the next spiritual experience. What I mean by that is that we're always looking for the next proof, right? The next evidence The people are like, hey, this is what Moses did. And so show us. Come on, show us what you got, Jesus. Let's go through another spiritual experience here. Now, many people have turned from a relationship with Jesus just to, to just a feeling or experience about Jesus. Let me say that one more time. Many people have turned from a relationship with Jesus to just a feeling or experience about Jesus. We come for a performance. That's the temptation. And here's how you know. If you ever come into church and thought something like this, man... I sure hope that band has everything together today. I sure hope they play the song that I really like. Boy, that pastor better be engaging, better have a good few good jokes, man. I'm sitting here, I need to be entertained. You know, I got TikTok on my brain and I need something else that's gonna occupy my thoughts and my mind. I need you, pastor, do a little dance, do a little show, you know, make sure that I'm entertained. Man, that, that coffee better taste good. Otherwise, that church doesn't know what they're doing. Those kids, they better take care of my kids really well. Ever had any of those kinds of thoughts when you come walking into a place like this? The temptation can be that we're looking for a performance that we can applaud to instead of a Jesus that we can connect with. And there's a huge difference between the two. When we come, we come expecting we come anticipating, what is God going to say to us? How do we get to give back to him through worship and through connection with other people? How do our kids come to love God and love one another? Come to Jesus. By the way, so it's the same reason that so many marriages fail after the honeymoon experience is when they go through hard stuff and they realize our relationship was built on the highs of the feeling instead of the connection with the person that goes so much deeper. So daily encounter the person of Jesus through the word of God. 
That's how we do it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And then the story ends with this in John chapter six. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I come down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I who was sent from God have seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so that the world may live, is my flesh. So, so far, Jesus says, come to him and stop searching for temporary satisfaction Come to Jesus and stop trying to earn God's approval. Come to Jesus and stop, look, stop looking for the next spiritual experience or high. Lastly, he's saying, come to Jesus. Stop complaining and receive eternal life. Jesus is God's provision for sin and death. People grumbled and they died. Jesus is at the peak of his popularity. And based on these words... Many people left, which is weird. You'd think someone who wants to gain influence in people's lives would avoid trying to lose people. And then in verse 52, it says, then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How could this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. And I gotta admit, that sounds a little weird. Okay, sounds like a little bit of cannibalism going on, but they're not understanding what he's talking about. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, for I will raise that person on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of my living father who sent me in the same way. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. Jesus is what fulfill and sustains us. This is what he's setting them up for, that he went to the cross to give of his body, to give of his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And every week, when we gather, and when you're gathering at home, now's the time to go ahead and grab your communion. If you could do that in the room, that'd be great. Let's do this together because I want us to be reminded of what God has called us to be and do. When we take this bread and we drink this cup, we are remembering what Christ has done, that we have received him, that we are believing in him who is the bread. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says, for I pass on to you, what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it to pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. See, if you're not a follower of Christ, this is offered to you. And I'm not talking about the bread, you know, and the juice that's here. I'm talking about Jesus. It's offered to you. And when you partake, you're remembering what you've chosen to partake in, to believe in, to put your trust and your hope in, regardless of the circumstances or situations in our lives. For Jesus is the bread of life. Let's pray and then take communion. Jesus, thank you so much for this time, for being able to unpack almost an entire chapter in your book. I just pray, Father, that it would just impact our heart and our mind and that we would come to you Father, we would be reminded of who you are as we proclaim what you have done based on your giving of your body and the shedding of blood that unites us back to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.